Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent base. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, people, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who can tell the difference between butter and I can't believe it's not butter. That's right, Mr. Ryan Siebold. What's up, Jason? How's it going, buddy? Feels good to say that on video. <laughs> I know, right? I'm super stoked. We actually finally did it. We didn't know if we would actually make it to video, and here we are. For anybody that's been uh, watching us for the first time here, Ryan and I have actually had an audio podcast for the past three years called Esoterica Cinema, and we are finally making the jump here to video, aren't we, buddy? That's right. For better or worse, these are our mugs. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and we figured, you know, what way to go ahead and start our video journey here with you guys than looking at a franchise that is actually really near near and dear to our hearts, and that's the Evil Dead franchise. So for today, we are going to be looking at Evil Dead Rise, and I believe, Ryan, you have a description for us, right? That's right, buddy. Real quick, before we get further, uh, the difference between butter and can't believe it's not butter, a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith will get you there. <laughs> Just got to believe. Uh, <laughs> Um, Evil Dead Rise from 2023 came out just uh, not that long ago, just over the spring, and this got a lot of attention. Uh, was made on a budget of 17 million ish and brought in about 146 million dollars. So that's where all that attention came from. A lot of people love this movie, and we're going to pick it apart and see if we like it as much. Google has this described as a reunion between two estranged sisters gets cut short, cut short by the rise of a flesh possessing <laughs> demon thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. That's right. This is directed by Lee Cronin, who came on the scene back in 2019, directing a little film called Hole in the Ground. And uh, this stars Alyssa Sutherland, Lily Sullivan, and Gabrielle Eccles. Jason, uh, this was a divisive one. Uh, I feel a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I got to ask you, as always, what did you think about this movie, buddy? Ryan, going to be happy to tell you, but first for everybody watching, if you haven't, please go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. Really helps us out with the algorithm and we appreciate your support. Now, Ryan, as far as the movie's concerned, I thought it was a decent movie. Right. Bordering on good. I definitely liked it, but I can't say that I loved it. I do feel like there was a lot to appreciate about the film, but I also felt like it sort of lacked a just a solid skeleton for which to really build the film around and, and I think more than <laughs> anything else we're just gonna hey, keep up with skeleton. the puns I love it <laughs> uh, but more than anything else I think just the biggest aspect that I found lacking was a sense of fun even the Fetty Alvarez Evil Dead that I feel like we'll probably end up referencing a lot on this episode yes it was it was definitely a more serious approach but it also still found a way to stay fun and to sort of do these little like comedic winks and nods at the franchise and the past entries and such. So I feel like that version did a much better job of capturing the spirit while evolving the film and the franchise into something different. Right. Than maybe this film did. How about you? Yeah. I thought that um, Fede's 
for starters, Fedes, um, and all the previous iterations, knew what they wanted to be a little more. I felt like the pacing was a lot better. Um, this one kept stalling out to me. Um, it would have these glimpses of greatness. Uh, for starters, Alyssa yeah. Sutherland as our villain was fantastic. I thought Absolutely. this was more of the villain's story than it was. We never really had a true cut true. Ash versus the evil dead kind of hero um, that Bruce yeah. Campbell gave us. And uh, was it Mia, I think, was the um, heroine in uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead? But same Correct, type deal. Yes. Like, I felt like we had a clear-cut vision of who we were rooting for in those moments. And by the end of the film, she had taken on that gauntlet uh, of, of the hero uh, of our movie, and she was ready to fucking go kick some ass. And I felt <laughs> yeah. like our, our heroes in this one, our, our little ragtag family uh, that was trapped in their apartment, um, never really quite got there. They were more reactionary uh, the entire time and and put on their back foot, which didn't give me a lot, you know, to really kind of root for uh, as the viewer. I was never sure. like, yeah, go get them. It was like, oh, shit, the entire movie. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just felt like it kind of lacked those, uh, those moments. The pacing was a little off, too. But when it shined, it really came through. I loved the practical effects. Um, again, I think Alyssa Sutherland yeah. uh, as the villain from uh, Soup to Nuts was great. I thought the uh, cold open, um, though it had nothing to do with the rest of the film, it was just kind of Absolutely a, kind of to wet your whistle. And <laughs> by the way, I think this movie is like an hour and a half or, or something like that, um, yeah. and an hour and 37 minutes or something. So uh, to have a cold open in a film so short that has nothing to do with the rest of your film, just to kind of wet your whistle, as cool as it was. In fact, I would argue that may be the coolest part of the film. Um, was that with you know rip, sequence, yeah. ripping her scalp off and and the the drone shot that kind of simulated uh, the camera on a plank shot going through the woods that was cool yeah um, we kind of got a modern interpretation of that Sam Raimi classic shot uh, in the woods um, that's been replicated many times um, there were a lot of moments like that um, right down to the title card that came up over the mountain range uh, across the lake was just like holy shit this is fucking gonna be awesome and then we get bogged down <laughs> in all this exposition about where her husband is and the kids and all this stuff uh, and the sister um, being an unwilling uh, hero and stuff and I thought that was kind of like okay we're gonna sit through a little bit of this and then it's gonna go and then it kind of didn't go uh, for a little while until they finally um, found the Necronomicon and, and did all the things that we were, you know, knowing was going to were going to happen um, until it kind of launched full boat. And even then it stalled out several points along the way, um, even to the point where uh, the demons would kind of stall out and say, you are a bad sister, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're never going to have, you know, it's like. <laughs> Man, we're still on this, uh, you know, even in the <laughs> even in these violent moments, uh, these trying times of demons, um, we're still going to get into this familial exposition dump. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, and so let's go ahead and identify what it is exactly that's kind of causing this difference of reaction to it. I think, you know, if I'm trying to think about maybe what are some of those things where this film differed from those previous entries, I, I think the first thing right off the bat is we have to talk about the nature of the death scenes, you know? Right. If you're if you're here for a horror film, you know, in large part, you're here for the death scenes, right? Yes. And you either get that or you don't. But the really, truly great horror films, at least the ones that you and I tend to enjoy, are really the ones that embrace the creative nature of death, right? Like, they're not just there to necessarily throw a bunch of blood at you. Uh, for those people watching, like, Ryan and I famously hate torture porn, right? Like, that's right. we like really sort of fun creature monsters. You know, we can get into some hacking up eyeballs and limbs and stuff like that, right? But if it's a... 
it, there's just something where if it's just like, I don't know, torturous, it's, it's something different, right? But regardless, when you think Evil Dead, again, yeah, you know, you're thinking of like the, the creature coming back from the dead and taking off her head and the, the dance under the moonlight and all of that, right? You're thinking about the, the chainsaws on the arms. You're thinking about uh, the monster with all the crazy makeup from the basement and right. dead by dawn, dead by dawn, right? All this sort of stuff. Yeah, swallow and, your soul, swallow your soul. Yeah, <laughs> and even in, especially in Evil Dead 2, right? Where all of like the uh, deer head and the lamp and all these inanimate objects come to life and start laughing at him and sure. with him. And it's like this giant cartoon. And so... Similar more to the 2010 remake, this one doesn't have that cartoonish element, but also the nature of the deaths are such that they're not really that creative, you know? Um, it's just kind of your sort of run-of-the-mill, like, slashings, you know, arms arms get cut Lots off. Lots of like, stabbing. Hands get cut through. <laughs> Lots of stabbing. Exactly, right? And so I think I think we both agree that one of the cooler moments was where they sort of tr- simulated the uh, the tree rape from the previous movies, and they sort of did the thing in the elevator. The elevator right? was the, great. The elevator cables. That was cool. That, that that was definitely a unique way to do that, and it's also obviously a lot less un- uncomfortable than some of the previous iterations of that same scene. So that was cool, but I didn't really necessarily get the same sense of creativity to a lot of the other, other deaths that would, would come into play. And then, you know, we also kind of mentioned this, which is that, you know, uh, we're not exactly young spring chickens fresh out of high school anymore, right? So this movie, like, is really tough on kids, dude. Like, yeah. this movie does not care if you're 8 or 10 years old. Like, it's going to come after you with everything <laughs> it has. And so this movie is just constantly and violently killing, like, 8, 10, 12-year-old kids, like, in the hallway, in their apartment rooms. And it's like, as somebody who a little bit, who's a little <laughs> bit older, it's like, that that kind of hits different, dude. Like, right. This is this is a little bit uncomfortable with regards to like not seeing the same stuff come from, you know, a slightly older character. Yeah, I mean, and, after we cut away from our cold open, they introduce us to um pretty much the the floor of people in this apartment complex high rise or what have you. Uh and then, you know, so you kind of realize you're dealing with this finite group of people and most of them are probably going to die. Now, we know from the trailer and the posters that Alyssa Sutherland is going to be our villain. She's going to be the one that's possessed. Uh, and then, uh, but then that leaves pretty much Lily, uh, Sullivan and a bunch of children. And then the old man down the, down the way, um, that, uh, does bring out our homage to the boomstick, mm-hmm. uh, the breakaway shotgun, <laughs> but, um, outside of the shotgun, um, nobody has any weaponry or anything. So they're all just pretty much using, you know, cutlery and steak knives and stuff like we talked about. So therein lies all the stabbings, but yeah, it's, it's Lily Sullivan, this old man and a bunch of kids. So when I'm watching this immediately, my thought process goes, are they going to like, I mean, because we got to have some deaths. So, are they going to kill these kids? And the answer is, yeah, they're going to kill <laughs> these fucking kids. They are. That's it's what crazy. they're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Even to the point, by the way, that Alyssa Sutherland, uh, you know, spoiler alert, down the way uh, towards the end of the film, wears two of the kids as like a pseudo meat suit uh, to get around because she <laughs> loses her, her mobility, and so she just wears these kids uh, as arms and limbs and, and possesses them as well. So, um, yeah, a very very hard hard time with that, uh, but. Yeah, uh, you know, and then you know, the, the the teenagers look very young, too, for like, I know two yeah. of them uh, or, or three, the three kids or whatever, we're going to leave to go get pizza and they were going to drive, I think. And it's like, are these kids old enough 
to even drive. Like they looked very young. The one kid wanted to be a DJ sure. and stuff. The the one that finds the Necronomicon and then um, and then uh, the 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 daughter, the mid sibling or whatever. Um, I mean, how old do you think she is? Like 14, 15, 16? Yeah, the older ones I think are like 14, 15-ish. And then the, but I think the the youngest one is like an eight-year-old girl. Yeah. So, and she definitely gets it just as much as anyone else. And then the mid one, say she's 13, she gets like straight up stabbed right in the mouth through the top of the skull. Um, uh, what was the, what was the doll? The yeah, well, that's Bridget. And then, the, and then she has that scene where she like eats the glass or whatever after she's possessed and right. stuff. Like that was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> So it was uh, it was definitely odd. I mean, you know, definitely the, you go back in time to the 80s and, and all these Cabin in the Woods movies and, and slasher flicks and stuff. They were all covering yeah. teens. Um, I get it. Like, you know, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street films and, and Halloween and all of that. They're all about kids in high school that are coming of age, losing their virginity, sure, being yeah. stabbed in tents in the woods and stuff like that. But. I will say these kids looked more like kids than any kids I've ever seen. I feel like they've always gotten older <laughs> actors to kind of downplay, which was yeah, exactly, made it a little right? more it's palatable, like, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's the whole, like, what is it, that show, like, Seventh Heaven or something, or James Vanderbeek's, like, a 28-year-old high school senior and stuff like that. All of know? those. Or Beverly like, Hills 902. Yeah, the American you know? Pie kids are very obviously in their 20s, you know, like... The old so Simpsons just, yeah, uh, deal really with Luke Perry from 90210 where he smiles and then his <laughs> skin all scrunches up because he's obviously like 38. Um, so yeah. don't I know how but Yeah, that no, that eight year old girl looks eight and that 13 year old girl looks 13 and the 15 year old kid looks 15. Like, you know, so it just it, it prompts that more visceral response, you know, uh, and again, and that's probably has something to do with us being a little bit older if we were teenagers ourselves like okay well they're our age so that's gonna hit differently right and yeah i do think that's something interesting about this film because you kind of touched on it before which is like this film almost doesn't have a protagonist yeah or it could even be argued that like the mother character who's really the antagonist is kind of the protagonist but then maybe it's bridget but then also who's the there's also the i guess the movie sets up the, I forget her name, but it's the roadie character, right? The one who's Lily Sullivan is the actor's name. I forget yeah, her, her, her the character. The Lily Sullivan character. Yeah. And she's supposed to be sort of like the, the movie sets it up like she's going to be the protagonist, but then it doesn't really go into her story much, you know? And also, let's take a step back and, and recognize that, you know, for the things that do work, one of the things that doesn't is the characterization of this movie. And I think... If you're going to do a movie that's all about like familial relationships and mothers and brothers and, and daughters and all of that sort of turning on each other, I think it helps if you can establish a close personal connection or even if it is a fraught connection, like let us know, like right up front, the movie is basically content to just give you like one very quick detail about each character. Right. And then we move on. Right. So like we know that dad left. Uh, we know the mom's like what, like a tattoo artist, I think. Yes. Uh, the sister's going to a, a woman's march. Uh, the son wants to be a DJ, and the girl likes dolls or something, right? And it's like, cool. That's all you need, right? That's all you moving guys. On. That's all you guys need to buy in. Yeah, okay, but it, sweet. it somehow yeah. takes like thirty minutes to explain all that to you <laughs> and really lay it on thick. Like you would Draws think that out, you'd have yeah. a little more um, attachment to all these people uh, if you were going to mm. spend that long in the mire of getting to know them right like i felt like once um the, the 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 possession started the necronomicon came out and all the things that we love about the evil dead movie started um I, I didn't care about these people other than the fact that i had pathos that they were children and i was like oh god you know <laughs> like we talked about sure, a little yeah. bit of wince uh from that a little cringeworthy but um 
the person they felt most attached to and the person who did the best job uh, really playing their role was Alyssa Sutherland as the the villain. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought she did a fantastic job. Great physical work. She's 40 years old and yeah, uh, I saw some behind the scenes footage sure. and she was really strung up in that elevator. A lot of practical effects. Um, it did give us some cool moments like the swallowing of the glass and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the Deadites historically in Evil Dead are just solely driven by murder and they're out to get you. And that's what made even the original on such a low budget work because they were just an unstoppable force. They were busting from the basement. Yeah. They were coming through the doorway. You know, they, the camera tracking shot on the plank of wood when it's going through the woods is whizzing through that woods. Um, it's sped <laughs> up and it feels like everything feels more intense. And um, they never stopped to really uh, revel in self-harm, you know, and all like there's so much just talking and you know your daughter rides and blah 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 uh the, not i mean i just felt like it wasn't really kind of an imposing force um the the, the deadites in this one they they're always pausing yeah. to talk it out and monologue a little bit <laughs> i don't know <laughs> deadites as james bond villains yeah, right. now that i've got you ellie let me tell you my plan right, <laughs> right. but that's in in, in two turn i think that that's where because um so you know, you have the original series with Bruce Campbell and we've talked about how that uh, feels more fun and playful because there's humor involved yeah. and whimsy and all that Sam Raimi charm that he brings to other films like De uh, Drag Me to Hell that I love um, and even the Spider-Man films and stuff like that. Uh, but sure. um, then you pass it off to Fede and Fede um, doesn't necessarily have a lot of that whimsy, but it feels epic. And I felt like it was way more intense. Like that, the deadites in that film and all the violence and everything was like full throttle. It was like, you know, full of roids and just going 150 miles an hour. It was very intense um, to where yeah. you're like, Oh shit. You know, you're holding on to your seat. It's very much an edge of your seat kind of movie, but this didn't mm -hmm. have that. And it didn't have the whimsy and it didn't have the intensity that Fade's had. So it was left kind of somewhere in the middle. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, you know, it's hard to put my finger on it. Because, right. Again, there's a there's a there's a, when it comes to the 2010 remake, there's something about that one that's like actually kind of it does have a sense of fun, even though it's more graphic. And I wish I could sort of like expound on that a little bit better. I haven't necessarily identified exactly what it is, but like for some reason, the winks and the nods in the 2010 remake kind of made me chuckle a little bit more than these ones. Yeah. And again, maybe it's just the fact that again, in that one, we've got, you know, 20 somethings and it just makes it a little bit easier to stomach because again, we don't have these like kids just being like, like barreled through the hallway, for example. Right. There's a couple shots where they like show Ellie, the mom when she's possessed in the hallway and these kids are just being like thrown up against walls and like brutally stabbed in the gut and the chest and the head and all this stuff. So like, it's really, uh, again, you know, that's not fun the way that like Ash getting into a fight with a demon in medieval times where a spike wall is going to come in and smash them if he doesn't get out first, right? Like, that's fun. And then he has to do his little jump up superhero thing. Where, like, right, the right, right. Clicks and I understand and this that, film lacks know, so. the humor and the whimsy, but I was more comparing it to Fade's. Like, what do you think differentiates this from Fade's? Because Fade's doesn't have a lot of that either. And yet yeah, you and I, I both was... love that movie dearly. Um, you introduced yeah. me to that film and I thank you for it because that film rips. 
Uh, this one <laughs> yeah, was good. Was I'm not going to say this is a bad film. I don't regret watching it. I don't think I would rewatch this film uh, anytime soon. Yeah. Whereas, I, you know, I think so I would too. rewatch Fades right now. I love that movie. And the only thing yeah. I could pin down was that um, from the cinematography to the pacing to the narrative, um, I felt like that movie, once it leaves the station, it never slows down. It never takes its foot off the gas. It's just like intense sure. all the way through. Um, and one thing is going on you know, to the next, to the next, to the next. You're just whizzing through. It's also not a very long film um, like this. It, yeah. it gets to the point. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's being buried and dug up. They're building the the defib machine, the makeshift defib. You know, it just, I felt like, you know, you're going from one thing to the next all the way down to, yeah. and the cinematography to that, it rips too. The the, the DP from Fade's, uh, I forget his name, but he shot uh, Lord of the Rings, Ring, Rings of Power, the Amazon series, and um, mm-hmm. he's he's an epic cinematographer. He d- does a great job. Uh, this guy uh, that shot Evil Dead Rise uh, did Ash versus the Evil Dead. He did like 14 episodes of Ash versus the Evil Dead. So we had a good history with the project uh, and the title, but um, I just don't think he's as strong a, of, of an intense cinematographer. It felt very moody and gloomy, but it also kind of felt very just like generic Blumhouse horror film, um, you know, like yeah. The Nun or something like that. Like I didn't feel like, I was being given anything that I couldn't see in 30 other horror films. Yeah. And I, and I do think it really just comes down to like, we were talking about just the nature of those creative deaths, right? Like when you're talking about the 2010 one, there's like the whole thing where the girl gets the infection, right? And then she has to go into the kitchen and get like the automatic Turkey cutter and like cut off her own arm and such. And then there's just all these moments and then you know not to mention the just amazing ending where they bring slayers raining blood to life and have (laughs) like the devil or at least some crazy demon literally crawl out of the ground while it just rains gallons and gallons of blood out in the actual forest like that's amazing you know and it's funny because i feel like this film tried to like do a little bit of that, like keep the self-referential aspect of the franchise going. But yeah. it's like, see, in this one, instead of it being like a, a rain of blood outside, it's going to be a rain of blood inside the parking garage because they go in the wood chipper thing, right? And so it's like you still have that visual element of like bloods, uh, drops of blood, you know, being strewn about and falling down. But it's just a slightly different context. In this, it's a, it's a lesser and smaller context. So that's gonna be you know not as impressive obviously as uh the 2010 version but yeah it just kind of feels like all of this was like evil dead light you know or like it was just you know it was the more of the the paint by numbers evil dead than it was the like you know swing for the fences evil dead that the previous ones were the wood chipper scene was cool um i just think that Leading up to that moment, I would have loved to have seen Lily Sullivan go a little more like Ripley from Aliens, like, you know, get your hands off of her, you bitch, you know, and has the shotgun, (laughs) you know, ready to fucking go Um, or the chainsaw or whatever, like, you know, and then be more aggressive. Like I'm coming after you. And then this demon wearing the kid meat suits coming after her and they're sneaking around. They're in a parking garage, which is, uh, you know, home to many of you know, uh, very intense scenes where you could be sneaking around cars and you don't hear anything, you know, all of a sudden the demons on the... Of course, the... we all remember the infamous Bowfinger scene <laughs> where he's being chased. The dog wearing high heels, yeah. the dog. <laughs> yes. Bring that Terrifying. On. Yeah, I would have taken a dog in high heels over this, but the wood chipper scene was cool. Um, there was, uh, you know, plenty of little winks and nods in the original. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but the, uh, of course, we had the boomstick. We had a blink and you miss it Bruce Campbell cameo. 
uh, a Bruce cameo, if you will. <laughs> on the, uh, well, does it even blink? Like, what do your ears do? Because he's only there in audio for right. that, right? Yeah, so. um, he just kind of makes a quick cameo as like a... But I do think that it was cool because they kind of made it canon that he was a, a time traveler trying to stop this thing from happening. Yeah. Uh, stop the yeah, dead. He's in a, a recording from like, like the that. early 1900s or something. Yeah. 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 And I actually did a little research and I guess uh, that there were okay. comic books that got into some of that lore uh, with his time, time hopping hmm. um, and even showed up in the Marvel Zombies series, apparently, which is fantastic. I oh, had wow. no idea about that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Kind of neat. No um, but yeah, uh, outside of some of that, the chainsaw uh, was the same color as Sam Raimi's uh, 1972 Oldsmobile. I think it was a 72 Oldsmobile. Oh, right. So was um, this the first one that didn't have that? By right. The way? Uh, this is, uh, I believe, yeah. the first Raimi property, even that. though he didn't direct it. Um, uh, they didn't get his Oldsmobile in there, the, the Delta. So uh, they went ahead and made the chainsaw the same color versus the chainsaw in the original, which is more of a maroon or burgundy, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they yeah. went ahead and let the chainsaw be the old stand in for the Oldsmobile. Um, and then, you know, we, we come full circle and they tie in that cold open, um, with the ending of the film, which, um, didn't have anything to do with the rest of the film. I don't know how this woman slept through literally all hell breaking loose in her apartment complex. The elevators busted. Uh, so <laughs> she's now talking on the cell phone to her friend and she's like, yeah, it was crazy last night. It was wild, man. And then, so we now know she's going to go to the lake and it's going to pick up where it left off in the original, uh, the cold, the cold open of the, from the beginning of the film, which again, I stand by this was probably the coolest part of the film, even though it was completely unnecessary narratively. <laughs> you know, uh, with the film being an hour and a half, I, I totally would not be surprised if they were just short. Like if they came in at like 80 minutes and were like, hey, guys, we need 10 more minutes. And it's like, uh, how about a five minute beginning and end sequence? Right. Huh? That worked for you. Yeah. All right. Let's get that going. I'll throw some deaths in there. We'll make it a party. Yeah. <laughs> so I could definitely see that. Well, yeah. So, Ryan, we'll go ahead and let, we'll wrap this one up here. And for everybody watching uh, who doesn't know, who hasn't listened to the podcast before, we like to end all of our podcast reviews, long ones and short ones, by doing a little feature we call three adjectives. It's just what it sounds like. We're going to give you three adjectives that best represent our response to watching this film. Ryan, I will let you kick off our inaugural video, three adjectives, buddy. What do you got? Well, my first one's going to be Summertime Theme Park because I felt like there were some cool moments, but you had to wait in line for them for a long time. <laughs> so you had to have some patience <laughs> uh, to go down that water slide or get on the roller coaster um, to, to get to those uh, fun moments. My second one was Toastios because it just felt like the Kirkland brand is something that oh. I really love dearly. <laughs> um, I wish anyone who doesn't know those are knockoff Cheerios. Right, right. Way, yeah. Just so you understand that joke because that is a brilliant joke that needs to be understood. It's <laughs> well you. done, sir. Yeah, Mwah. it's just generic. It's like the generic version that's so close <laughs> to the it just makes you want the original or, or you know, go back to the yeah. good, the good, good. Um, so Toastios. And then my last one is avocado toast because avocado toast is good. I'm cool with avocado toast. <laughs> Um, but when you go out for breakfast, uh, you know, specifically when you watch a horror movie, you know, what you're going for is that big stack of pancakes with butter and syrup. You want all the uh, the indulgence of a horror film. And I felt like yeah. this was good. It was, you know, uh, I can't say this is a bad film. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was, um, but it just wasn't the the sugary indulgence of a good horror film that gave me all the fun that you said this movie sure. was lacking. I agree with you. How about you, Jason? Yeah. Definitely. Man, those were great, dude. Uh, those were a lot of fun. I have just like straightforward 
like general adjectives. I'm going to have to up my game now. For my first, I have visceral. I do feel like this was an intense experience for the most part when it was actually moving along. I also feel like this movie was shallow because, as we mentioned, there just wasn't a lot of meat on that bone. As well as inconsistent. You know, it's just there were some ups, there were some downs. Didn't make for a wholly satisfying experience overall. So... Visceral, shallow, inconsistent. We are also going to give you guys a star rating uh, out of five. But before we do, just want to once again go ahead and remind you, if you haven't, please do like and subscribe. And most of all, tell your friends about us. And, and by the way, if you like what we're doing here, or even if you don't, or you have comments about the movie, leave them in the comments below. We would love to hear from you, and we will probably even get back to you. So, Ryan, out of five stars, I'll let you kick this off. What is your star rating for Evil Dead Rise? Jason, I'm giving this one three stars. I thought it was okay. average. I don't think this is a bad movie. I think, you know, uh, it was all right. It was a three-star movie. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and give this one three and a half stars oh, out wow. of five. I did appreciate the uh, craftsmanship behind it a little bit. You know, I thought the uh, acting was pretty good for the most part, except for the, the, the roadie chick. And... You know, there was there was enough to to warrant my trip to this film, right? But at the end of the day, don't think it was something that I really need to come back to. And three and a half stars just felt like good rating. So I do also want to remind everybody watching that uh, you can go ahead and visit us at the website, esotericacinema.com, or hit us up on the emails, esotericacinema at gmail.com. And once again, my name is Jason Peters. He's Ryan Siebold. We're Esoterica Cinema. Thanks so much for joining us here today for our discussion of Evil Dead Rise. Be sure to stay tuned for more content coming up. And enjoy the movies. <laughs>